dark shapes and figures evading your direct eyesight. Continuously just out of sight, but perpetually following you everywhere. Watching your every move. No, we're not talking about your actual shadow, Chad, so just cease the mansplain, okay? This spooky spelling is all about shadow people. What are they? Where do they come from? And why are there so many different types? We will get into all of that and then some more, only here on Gasp. strange and unusual that is sure to send shivers and tickle your senses. I'm your host, Suki Suxin, and good dusk or good dawn to you all. This evening, we will be slipping into something dark and slippery, the world of shadow people. The definition and its many theories, as well as all the dark entities under the same name of shadow people, because my spookies, there are quite a few. Now, this episode is going to be a bit different just because there is quite a lot of information on shadow people, but there's a bit that can contradict itself. So I'm not going to put it all out there. I do, however, welcome you to dive deep for yourself if this interests you as it does for me. Um, I do want to say that also some of the things I dive into for this subject are subjects that I plan to have entire episodes for in the future. So I didn't want to go too deep or end up repeating things that you're just going to hear later. Um, so I'll mention that as we go. Also, I have so many stories about shadow people encounters that I personally have experienced and I really wanted to share them with you guys. So that's naturally going to take a bit of time. Um, with all that, let us spill for a spell and slip into something spooky. Sit back, my loves, and try to relax as we gasp. There isn't a Britannica or dictionary definition to pull from, but the majority consensus is that shadow people 
also known as shadow figures, are dark and shadowy or deeply black masses that present a humanoid figure in some shape or form. They often appear and disappear and are believed to be some kind of entity or spirit, unknown if they're good, evil, or something in between. Whether it is a living soul trapped between dimensions and realms, or if it's something much more sinister, is frankly unknown and split down the middle on the opinion in the occult community. I've frankly heard benign and malicious stories as well as had my own experience, so I'll let you decide where you'd like to sit. Now, there are many different shapes and forms recorded in encounters, but the similarities they share remain. All forms seem to have the dark matter and presence that seems to steal all individuality of itself, as well as the way they seem to gather in corners and pool into the just out of sight areas of our vision. Almost like they are too, like they too are just barely grasping our world when seen. So many encounters place them in a corner of a room or a ceiling, in a doorway, or just out of the corner of your eyesight in your peripherals. All of these being what we witches like to call in-betweens. For those who don't know, in-betweens are places in space or time where it is believed to allow most magical creatures to travel or interact through. Creatures like fairies, elves, angels, demons, etc. Um, ghosts, you know, they can all interact from their realm with ours, kind of like little portals or, well, doorways if you will. Now, anything that goes from one thing to the next as a transition is considered an in-between, like doorways, windows, sunrooms to homes, gates, mirrors, etc. Um, except it's not just spaces and places, it can be time too. So like midnight is an in-between as it's in between the night and day, as well as children and teenagers are nature, nature's own in-betweens as they toggle from infantry innocence to adulthood and, well, reality. People who experience near-death experiences, who experience death, you know, they become legally dead and miraculously return to life. Often these people are found to be more sensitive and more open afterwards because they are living in and in-between. They are shadow-kissed, if you will, or kissed by death and will always have a part of that world with them. Anyways, <laughs> back from the bunny trail. If you can tell this is my passion pit. Right out, types of shadow people. So from these in-between places, which are many, and creative and structure, most commonly, we will find five main types of shadow people. We have classic humanoid, hooded, Smoky, shapeshifters, and the hat man. The difference of those we will get into in a little bit. But first, where did it all come from? Shadow people called by other names can be found in cultures and religions all over the world, from shades in ancient Greece mythology 
being the shadowy souls of all living, perish, normally serving Persephone and Hades in the underworld. To the Islamic religion's own jinn, believed to be dark entities or spirits that are called upon to do either evil or good bidding. The jinn's own sense of evil and benignment entirely depending upon their own masters who summoned them through magic and rituals. The spirit is where Western cultures got their wish-granting genie from. Jinn is trapped between two worlds and can toggle between good and evil. There's so many parallels between them and shadow people as well as genies. It's hard to say if one is the other, if they differ. I feel as though they differ, but there's a connection there. All in all, it's very fascinating. And that's all I'll say on those spookies for now. As uh, Jin and Genies... Uh, or something I plan to cover in a later episode. Now, some more scientific minds have patterned shadow people entities to a condition people have recorded suffering since the Middle Ages and still baffles scientists to this day. Sleep paralysis. Now, I don't want to go too much into this because I plan on doing a whole episode on sleep paralysis as well. But I do want to just talk on it a little bit because it does play a role in shadow people experiences. Now, back in the Middle Ages, when it was first being recorded, um, people were claiming to have this feeling and visions of seeing an old hag sitting on their chest. This term, or this scenario, is where we would actually coin the term nightmare later being called old hag syndrome which would of course be later changed to sleep paralysis sleep paralysis is said to be a sleeping condition in which the sleeper thought to be caught between in between different sleep cycles and because of this entrapment is in the in-betweens of sleep um people find that their body feels as if it's being weighed down and unable to move they also claim to see visions of shadow people or terrifying entities as they believe they see and feel them either standing in the doorway by their bed or sitting on top of their chest and holding them down this obviously would be absolutely horrifying to experience alone let alone alone in the dark and waking from sleep sort of now this event can last anywhere from a few minutes to 20 minutes or so but for the sleeper it feels so much longer many doctors and scientists while not knowing why sleep paralysis happens to people in the way it does or how it's triggered in some people often at different times in their life it is believed that it could be just merely stress-induced and induces these terrifying visions as a way of explaining the body being trapped by the brain shutting it down for sleep um kind of being like oh you're not you know your body's not being shut down by your brain no it's this monster sitting on top of your chest and 
oh yeah, all your daily stressors, those are just monsters too. I mean, this is the theory behind nightmares, right? They just believed all of this is just stress, really. It's just, I mean, everybody deals with stress. Why are some people different? It's just fascinating. Anyways, now for my theory, which I insist is just my personal theory. Nobody else's. Okay, don't come for me. My theory is that sleep paralysis is a genuine paranormal experience. Yes, I know. Hold on. I also believe it's a medical condition with science to back some of it up. For now, right? We're still figuring it out. For example, the body being caught between sleep cycles, being unable to move. We now know that our brain turns our bodies off when we sleep for our own safety, so that in dreams when we're running and jumping and climbing and jumping off of buildings, driving cars and going to the bathroom aside from that last one we luckily aren't actually doing these things in real life because we obviously would probably get hurt or die so our brain turns our body off so it cannot move when we wake up in between these sleep cycles our brain hasn't told our body we're awake yet and thus you are feeling trapped i completely i think that makes so much sense i back that up but that's not to say that it can't also be you in this different state more privy to information or beings that you maybe weren't before. That's just my opinion, okay? Uh, and I'm not alone in this, actually. So it's look into it. It's very fascinating. But I just think there's something to it. I think... A lot of times, uh, people, it happens when they, you know, lose someone. So I can see that also, you know, like a grief. I don't know. I don't know. We'll never really know, I guess, until we are dead. <laughs> Anyways, my whole thing is that I just, I don't believe the entities we see are nothing. I believe being in the in-betweens of sleep cycles helps us gaze into the other side you know to perhaps a different realm that we merely just have demonstrated the tools or skills to fully see or understand this and that's okay we just we're not there yet and you know that might seem silly but i always like to remind people paranormal merely means the unseen the unknown normal Meaning that eventually it will become seen, understood, and normal to us. I mean, things like lunar eclipses used to absolutely terrify the first indigenous tribes. Um, I didn't know what they were saying at first. You know, some of them would die of shock. And, you know, now it's, I mean, obviously they understood it was powerful, but they didn't realize that it wasn't the end of the world. That's all. So, we just, we'll see. Now, let's get into the many different forms and figures of these shadow creatures, shall we? Alright, so up first we have the classic, most commonly seen, 
humanoid shadow figures. They look identical to human beings, but more like a mannequin. They have like a head, right? And a neck and shoulders and arms, torso, hips and legs. And you know, they're slim, medium to tall. Um, they just, they often they don't have hands or feet. The head might be misshapen. And they might have glowing red or yellow eyes, which I know you're like, that doesn't sound normal, but I say might because I personally have never seen them with glowing red or yellow eyes, but I've, I've countered, I've countered a lot of stories of people that do. So, you know, buyer beware. For me though, they look like mannequin shadow people. Like they're perfect, but there's just something not quite right there's something off about them um there's just like this off feeling looking at them they don't quite look right there's just something that feels insidious feels alien-esque about them they look too perfect but there's something not human you know not there like mannequins are honestly the best way to explain it um, right, there's a reason everyone gets creeped out by mannequins. It's because your brain knows something that looks human, but is not. It's probably not a good thing. That was humanoids. Now, hooded figures are more like tall blobs, masses of darkness, that the shape looks like it could be like a human being standing wearing like a huge, tall, black hooded cloak. But it's just instead of seeing the shading of like the hood and a face and the folds of the rope, it's just pure darkness. I have personally seen quite a few of these and they're just ominous. They're just, they're disturbing. They're very culty, especially when they try and move and sit like a human might. It's unsettling. Next up, we have smoky figures. Smoky figures are going to be like barely there, wispy figures in the form of a humanoid shape. Um, but they will be sort of transparent to mostly transparent or being like a lighter smokiness versus a darker smokiness. Um, but like the bottom half will be missing or like the left side or you know, they're just, like, they're smoke, but you can kind of make out a figure. Um, supposedly, how they show up will be based on their purpose or intentions. I've seen photographs of these ones, but I've never seen these for myself. Now, shapeshifters are very similar to humanoid figures as they often take on human forms, except they're a bit spookier if you ask me, for they can take on the shape and silhouette of a specific person. People you may know, alive or dead, they can take on the form of animals and creatures, truly anything. They're thought to be malicious and trickster energy entities, often trying to influence and deceive people. Ugh, I have a spooky story about this one later. Finally, possibly the most chilling of them all, the Hat Man. The Hat Man is a very well-known, very common, um, 
but very scary form of shadow person. It's thought that the color is blacker than black. It's a dark humanoid silhouette that is slim and tall and wears a short top hat or like a fedora looking hat on his head. It is said that he wears this hat to cover his obviously distorted head, which would give him away as inhumane. Sorry, inhuman. <laughs> this dark entity is commonly experienced by children or people suffering from loss and is often considered to be a malignant energy of darkness, pain, and fear. This entity is also very commonly seen with people during a sleep paralysis episode, as well as when they hallucinate from drinking sleep medication or diphenhydramine, 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 excuse me, which is the active ingredient in sleep medication or Benadryl. Again, kind of coming back to this, like if, I don't know if you guys have ever taken sleep medication. <laughs> if you've ever, sorry, I sound like such a drug addict. If you've ever taken sleep medication and tried to stay up, whether on purpose or not, on accident, not knowing. But if you drink a lot of sleep medication, not too much, don't fucking kill yourself. If you drink a good amount of sleep medication and you stay up, you push past the sleeping effects you will full-on hallucinate and like trip um i used to do this as a young kid don't do it because it's actually very dangerous but yeah it's thought that people commonly will see Hatman when they're kind of in this state of they're supposed to be asleep the body is trying to shut it down but their consciousness pushes through so it's kind of an in-between interesting I personally do believe that by taking drugs and different chemicals you can alter your brain chemistry to see beyond the veil that normally coats our regular vision of our worlds do I recommend it it depends what you're consuming how you're consuming your safety with it your experience your knowledge with it just there's other ways, honestly. Try going somewhere haunted. You know, um, use a pendulum. Use a Ouija board. Look up the rules. Listen to my Ouija board episode, then use a Ouija board. All right, coming back. Now, obviously this is completely unpopular, controversial. I get that. I'm completely, completely aware. But I want to pair my theories with my knowing and stern belief that we are extremely powerful being living creatures who walk and create within this world. I mean, this is our world. We rule it. We have more power than these spooky shadow figures. So, take it or leave it. But if you take it, just remember, you are not powerless or weak. And only you can give consent to let things in or take on you. Fear is something we face. Only when you let it consume you does it take hold. So, just remember that you're powerful badass bitches out there, okay? Shadow people ain't got nothing to fuck with. Alright, now 
it's spooky spooky story time and for once here is a handful of my own most spookiest shadow people encounters from my life so far and well i hope my little spooky pookies enjoy uh what has brought me terror and trauma but let's be honest a complete passion for the other worlds and the other realm I hope brings you some spooky enjoyment tonight. All right, let's dive in, shall we? My first story is from when I was probably around 12 or 13. Because I grew up in South Colorado Springs, Colorado, We were only a few hours away from mountains and our family's favorite ski mountain, Monarch and Salida. So during the winters, most weekends, especially the long ones, we often went skiing and we would stay out there for the whole weekend. There was this cute little old lodging run by a sweet old lady. And I can't remember exactly the name, but they were these adorable pink colored motel rooms all together shaped in a boxy looking sea. One long weekend we had gotten up to the mountain late because uh, I forget why I think we had like stopped somewhere and the gas station was closed and we had to go to like three different ones but we got up to the mountain late and because of that we left the mountain late. Because we had left the mountain late we had gotten to the motel late and since we did so It was a warmer and more popular weekend, and we had honestly were given the only motel room left. Because of this, we were given one of our not usual suites by the hot tub, but instead one all the way on the other side of the parking lot towards the forest in the road. Getting in late, we had eaten our corner store forage dinner on our beds, and it was me on my own bed next to the window and the door of the room, and my parents were sleeping on the bed next to the sink counter in the bathroom on the left of it. There was a TV in between the two beds, and about two to three feet of space between the TV and table and the beds. After the first day of snowboarding, after eating and showering, we all fell asleep to TV on the beds. None of us turning it off. The next thing I knew, I remember waking from my sleep. Not from a dream or seemingly any outside noise or influence as the TV was off when I woke up. There was no sounds. No, it was one of those feelings like when you have a friend wake you by calling you but not fully really hearing them. Just kind of being slowly stirred awake. It was weirdly distorting in this lack of distortment, if that makes any sense. I had opened my eyes easily and clearly without heaviness or drowsiness, like I had been awake the whole time, but I knew I wasn't. I was looking at the wall under the window, remembering slowly where I was. I looked at the door and suddenly felt dread fall on me. I slowly let my eyes scan the bedroom, dragging from the door, over the table and mirror, 
when suddenly my eyes fell on a hooded shadow person standing at the left corner of the end of my bed. They were tall, at least six feet tall, and as white as a person. My whole body tensed up in seeing this. My eyes carefully gazed over them, trying to piece together what to do. What I could feel was my throat tightening and becoming too dry to dare a single whimper or scream. Gathering my breath into a solid, consistent pace, I decided to turn over to look at my parents, merely two feet away in the other bed. As I painfully, slowly inched onto my left side, my gaze suddenly befell a much shorter hooded shadow figure standing right next to my bed, right next to my face. At this point, I'm staring directly into the darkest dark I've ever seen, blacker than any night sky or windowless room. I remember thinking the abyss couldn't have been so dark with the absence of light. This time, I was entirely stunned by fear and confusion. At this point in my life, I was rather familiar with spirits and assumed this must have been a spirit or a ghost trapped in the motel. Taking a deep, powerful breath, I closed my eyes and slowly rolled to the other side of the bed towards the door. I took my flip phone off of the counter and with another brave breath, ran behind the tall shadow figure at the foot of the bed towards the bathroom, slamming the bathroom door behind me as quickly and quietly as I could. Then I remember curling up in the bathtub, shutting the shower curtain and hiding in there until I fell asleep and was found by my mother the next day. I remember asking me, I remember she asked me what happened and if I was okay because she, I mean at first she thought I was missing, I wasn't in my bed, she went to the bathroom, she was calling me and she heard my phone going off in the bathroom and that's when she opened the curtain and saw me asleep in the bathtub. When she asked me if I was okay, I, I told her that I refused to sleep in that room ever again. This woman. Oh, bless this woman. She asked the nice lady running the place if we could switch rooms, and luckily someone had left that morning, so we did. She never asked or, per or pushed for details, but years later, I ended up coming clean with what happened, and I remember her just believing me instantly. I asked her why she believed me so easily right then, but also as a kid, she told me in my whole life, I have never slept anywhere that didn't have pillows and blankets in the plenty. I was a comfort queen. But to find me knocked out in a cold bathtub with nothing but a phone, she knew something must have really shook me up and disturbed me to do so. To feel safe only there. She always made sure to never let us stay in that specific room if we ever went back to the pink motel. Which honestly always meant a lot to me because my biggest fear as a kid was that people wouldn't believe me. Thank God my mom always did. My mom and 
my best friend Jepson, which is in the next story. My next story is my own scariest experience with a shadow shapeshifter when I was about 16 years old. My friends, Jepson and Anna and I were all staying at Jepson's house, which was this really beautiful house that honestly looked like it should be on like a beach or like a great big lake or something. Technically it was on a small lake on this little golf course. Um, it was just mm, it had this amazing deck it was huge it had this really cool like tower balcony spot with a fire pit and speakers and because jepson's parents and siblings were rarely home during this time we would always stay the weekends at her place just spending warm summer nights listening to music making s'mores and honestly ripping copious amounts of bong loads as we did so <laughs> One night, as we enjoyed our Mary Jane and spilling the hot goss, we also loved to discuss the spooky and haunted experiences we had together. We also would soon notice that when we did this, it would trigger more spooky stuff to happen, which I now know is absolutely a thing. Um, for a time we actually had this rule where we were not allowed to talk about the spooky shit because it just became so prevalent. Stories for another time. Anyways, as we were talking about how bizarre something was for one of us, one of us spotted strange floating lights that bobbed along the, the golf course pathway. Uh, it was like this pathway for the golf carts to drive on and it looked like there were these two flashlights bobbing as if two people were walking along holding it. Turning around to better look at them, we realized that it was perhaps an adult and a small child, but it seemed like they were searching for something or searching for someone as they kept looking back behind them and scanning all around them while we could almost hear a voice calling out in the night. It was odd because we were decently close, but we couldn't really hear them well. This pathway was pretty much like in Jepson's backyard. Um, as we watched these two slowly disappear down the pathway, I turned back around curious and saw another little light bobbing along. It also seemed to be a shorter, childlike height. Me thinking this could be the lost child separated, the child caregiver and me jumped out and I convinced Anna to come down with me to see if we could help this kid find their, their group. The small light that was bobbing at the beginning of the pathway when we had made our way off the deck and down the small hill to the pathway from the house well, by the time we made it down, the light we had seen had completely vanished. I walked back towards where it came and I ran up the pathway and I couldn't even find the other two lights either. It was just super fucking weird. Like, I, I don't understand how someone could 
disappear so quickly because it was relatively open field as well. I mean, this was a golf course. There was like a couple trees or a bush, but that was about it. Um, so when we had kind of realized that there was nothing to look for anymore, we were heading back towards the house. And I turned to Anna and as we were talking about how odd the disappearing of the lights was, I also began to tell her that she needed to take it easy on Jepsen. You see, at this time, the three of us were absolutely obsessed with ghost hunting and horror movies and demons and scaring each other at night. <laughs> we used to turn the lights off in Jepsen's room and take turns pretending to be a weird, spooky grudge girl or demon and would crawl on the floor and jump on the dressers and come out of the closet and grab each other's feet trying to scare each other. Anna was the best at it. Oh my god. I mean, she could get up on those old dressers and crouch down. I mean, she was amazing. Sometimes, though, she loved to take it a bit too far. And her, her bit at the time she loved to do was that she could talk to demons. And partly she did this because she was just such a great character actor. And mostly because it really freaked Jepsen out when she did it. It was this bit which also partly had some truth to it, which made it scarier, of course, but Anna's father was a minister who had been a missionary and who had traveled to many different countries and performed exorcisms on people believed to be possessed by demons. And he had told Anna he believed she was sensitive to entities to help and uh, her purpose was that she was to help with these dark entities and it was kind of like her gifts from God. She told us all of this as though she believed she could actually speak with and understand demons and she would, I mean, half the time you couldn't tell if she was pretending or not, but she would pretend to speak with demons and every now and then suddenly slip out a demon to English offering to us what horrible thing the demon wanted with us or what she was offering of us. I mostly thought it was funny. Um, something about it to me was just so parody and jest, but it really spooked Jepson though. And I get it. It was, it was spooky. So, of course, Anna would end up darkening her because it was more fun to bother the bothered. So I was telling her that she should take it easy and bring it back. You know, that Jepson was actually getting really scared and uncomfortable. In return, Anna turns from me and to suddenly speak with the demon that's apparently just appeared. So she sits on a log near us and commits the bit. Irritated by her devotion to her joke, I turned around to look onto the lake. Out in front of me, on the ground, goes straight out from the pathway and then hills downward, becoming grass and shrubs. And it's kind of this downward hill to the lake. Um, and there's like a sand and rocky beach kind of circling the lake. Right in front of me when I turned around, sitting on this hill, going down, I saw a dark silhouette figure seeming to sit on top of the hill. The figure was sitting with their knees up and arms resting on top. Their face was facing like a third of the way. 
So I could kind of see their face, but kind of not. Because they were sitting on the hill sloping down, it looked like it was like a child or a teenager, like a young teenager. Startled by them, I jumped back and awkwardly gave a shaky, Oh, uh, hey there. I was about to ask if they were the lost kid when as soon as I finished the word, there, the figure slowly turned its head to look at me. This stopped my words, my brain, my heart, my blood. I mean, dread just enveloped me in this moment. Within an instant, the shadow figure moved from its sitting position to jumping straight up in the air and landing on all fours like a bear. But it still looked like a person. But this time it was much taller and lankier. As soon as it landed on all four limbs, it looked so twisted and disturbed, it began to run right at me. I remember screaming bloody murder and starting to run backwards and turning forward. I stumbled, dropping my phone, almost tripped. I ran harder, desperate to get away, suddenly tripping over a, st st a tree stump. I lost a shoe and fell into the cold, wet dirt. Crying and screaming, I dug my fingers into the dirt and clawed up this hill, pushing myself back up, pushing my limbs hard into the ground to get away. Too scared to look back lest I waste any time or distance. I reached the back door and ripped it open and slammed it shut behind me, panicking as I fumbled to lock all the locks on the door, crying and hyperventilating in absolute shock and terror. Jepson, who had made her way downstairs already, was in her bedroom when she heard me come in, straight out of a horror flick. Confused whether it was a joke or a prank, she began to tease me and angrily tell me to stop until she realized I was truly hyperventilating, could not get my breath. My face was swollen, streaked with tears. My clothing was ripped and covered in dirt. She then looked deeply concerned as she asked me, Where's Anna, Suki? What happened? At that very moment, the back door began to bang and push as someone tried to come in, slamming on the door. Instantly, Jepson and I began screaming bloody murder when we heard Anna's voice. Suki! Jepson! What the fuck? She demanded, annoyed, but not frightened, outside. Jepson ran out the door to open it and let Anna in. I stayed back, still petrified and not convinced. Suki, what the actual fuck? Dude, you left your shoe and your phone outside and me, bitch. Anna started saying, what the fuck? You left me outside and locked the door, which is not funny or even a good prank. She was completely obtuse to the thing I saw outside. She thought this was a joke on her. I stared at her, shocked. I couldn't believe my most terrifying experience, that I was still trembling, blood pumping over, that it happened like a foot away from her. She was absolutely not privy to. So much so that I'm I think she still thinks I made the whole thing up to try and prank her back for Jepson. I think she's convinced it, it was a prank on her, but I'm convinced it was her brink that opened something's door to us, honestly. 
to this day, I've never had something so aggressive and violent. I, I thought I was going to die in that moment. Like, no, I've never had something like that happen to me since. Even telling it now, I still get choked up and chills. story. This one is mostly my friend Jepson's spooky shadow person experience, but I was on the other side of it, so consider it mine too. And honestly, it's my second scariest story. Second, because, well, I was asleep for most of it, but it's fucking chilling for Jepson's side of it. Here's what happened. Now, this happened around the same time as the last one. We were around 15 or 16 years old, and we both were not quite driving yet, but were regulars with sneaking out to meet cute boys that were obviously no good for us uh, to be young. During this time, I was rather single, and my bestie, Jepson, was in a very tumultuous, off-again, on-again relationship with this grade-A devil. Let's call him Edwin. At the time, me and Jepson were getting in a lot of fights over her, spending more time with him than me, especially when she would sleep over because I lived in the neighborhood next to his. This one evening, we had just become friends again, and she had become a girlfriend again with Edwin, and she really wanted us to have a sleepover and do all of our favorite sleepover activities, just like we used to means of mending the fight we had. I agreed only if she promised not to sneak out for Edwin. She promised and came right over. <clears throat> we ate dinner, dessert, and watched movies, but as soon as midnight rolled around, she got antsy and really wanted to sneak out to see her newly reunited lover. <coughs> <coughs> I reminded her of her promise to me and angrily told her I would leave the window unlocked, but that I would not wait up for her. Annoyed but happy, she said goodnight and promised we would still watch our late night TV together. I seriously doubted this, and even though I felt upset and abandoned, I had made sure that my bedroom window, which was casually three feet off the ground, great for sneaking out at our time, I had made sure that this was unlocked for her to climb back into. Me being me though, I also made sure to leave our back French doors to our backyard unlocked and made sure to plug in my phone and made sure it was on in case anything happened and she needed help. This Edwin guy was seriously a real piece of shit and toxic and abusive shit happens sometimes. And so I just, <clears throat> I wanted to be prepared. I remember I had done this all right, um, right after she had left, around like 12.20ish. And then I laid on my couch and watched TV until about 2.30 in the morning, where I had checked my phone for any messages, saw none, but saw the time. <clears throat> 
It was shortly after this that I heard my bedroom door swing open slowly. I thought it was her, but not wanting to give her the gratification of getting to spend time with me and me staying up for her after her choosing her boyfriend over me, you know, petty teen shit. I pretended to be asleep as I laid on my side on, on the couch facing the TV, keeping my breath steady and calm. I started to hear soft footsteps on the carpet coming into the room. And you know when you can just like, you know when you can like feel someone coming into a room, like even if you don't hear them, like you can almost like feel presence into a room. I felt this. And that was not the only thing I felt. Because then I felt the couch cushion behind me indent as if somebody was just slowly leaning over the couch to look at me closer. I had assumed that she was like trying to decide if I was faking it or not. So I just held it. I tried to keep me breathing really good. My eyes really steady. I was even like shaking my eyeballs or some shit trying to make it look like I was having like crazy dream. I don't even know. I was really trying to sell it. Then I felt breath on me but the breath was cold and I remember thinking that was kind of weird but then I was like oh well, it's probably cold outside or something she's just probably trying to be a dick and so I just kept pretending I was asleep then slowly I felt the couch unindent and I heard footsteps slowly walk away and the door to my room close I assumed she went to sleep in my room and at that point, I remember watching TV and I assumed she went to sleep because I didn't hear anything. I eventually fell asleep quicker than I was expecting. And I remember waking up the next day to Jepsum sleeping on the other couch across the living room. I remember thinking how strange it was that she would go sleep on my bed to then come out and sleep on the couch. Normally, she would just sleep on my bed if she was going to sleep on my bed. Then, I assumed maybe she felt so bad for ditching me that she wanted to come sleep out in the living room with me so we could spend the morning together. So, I sat up, turned on the TV, and waited for her to rise and begin her apology and doting on me lovingly. When she slowly came to, though, she suddenly jumped up absolutely livid with me, saying, Sucky! How could you leave me out there? I could have died. Dude, I almost died. You just locked me out. You turned your phone off on me? I needed you. What the fuck, dude? Last night was the scariest night of my life. And you just locked me out? I mean, she's going off on me. Like, hysterical. Completely terrified. All shook up, you know? So I try to like stop her. I'm like, yo, 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 stop. I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. I didn't lock you out and I would never ever do that. Like I know what kind of sketchy people roam these streets in this side of town. And like, I love you. I don't care how mad I am at you. I don't want you hurt or in danger. I'm trying to like calm her down and assure her that I have absolutely zero idea what she's talking about. Especially because I had made sure all these precautions were upset. Um, I get her to start from the beginning. What happened last night? And she explains. 
she tells me that she had gone to Edwin's house and hung out. They hooked up, hung out, and then around 2.45 a.m., they had left this place to head for my place. She said that they walked up my street around 3 a.m. Upon walking up my street, they saw a dark figure hunched over in my driveway, almost like it was hiding. Coming closer, Edwin thinks it's like another guy waiting for Jepsen, so he gets all jealous at first. He's like asking her who this guy is, and she's like freaked out, confused. As they come up a little closer, they begin to realize it's a pitch black figure underneath a street light. It's still pitch black, and it begins to stand up, and it becomes much, much taller. They claimed it was easily seven feet tall, slender, and impossibly dark, as there was no distinguishable human uh, features about it. It didn't have a face. When they start to realize it's not a human being, it starts to walk towards them. They kind of stumble back, confused what they're looking at. Edwin wanting to be masculine and assertive because he's, he's definitely the toxic macho type. He quickly becomes panicked and they kind of start back down the street and then it starts to run at them. They run down the street back down towards Edwin's house. Jepson said that they tried to walk all the way around the north end of the street, then the south end again, but every time the dark figure would just be in my driveway waiting for them and would chase them away each time. Jepson claimed it wasn't until 4.45 in the morning that she was able to come back and the shadow figure was finally gone, but the window was locked. So she climbed the fence to the back door, but the back door was locked too. She apparently had tried to call me the first time they were chased away around three and multiple times since then, but my phone never rang once. It went straight to voicemail as if my phone was turned off or dead all night. After hearing all of this, I have chills covering every corner and crevice of me. I instantly reach for my phone and press the center button to prove that it's on and fully charged. It is still plugged in like I had left it, but somehow it had been turned off. I turned to her all shook up and swore up and down. I made sure to charge and make sure my phone was on, as well as checked the back door and window to be unlocked for her. Luckily for Jepson, my, mon- my mother had woken up around 5 a.m., found her on the back porch, locked out. She had told my mom that she had woken up early and had gotten a call from her mom and went out back to answer it, but must have accidentally locked herself out because, you see, my door, the way it worked, is normally when you turn a lock horizontal, that's unlocked and vertical is locked. But for these doors, for some reason, Horizontal was locked and vertical was unlocked. So people very often would lock themselves out of the back door. However, my mom looked at her confused and asked her, Honey, how did you deadbolt yourself out? Because apparently both of the locks were locked on her. Jepsen just covered by saying I must have woke up and pranked her. But 
I looked at her terrified and explained how I thought I heard and felt her come home before the time she even left Edwin's. And how I felt something lean over the couch and breathe on me and then go back into the room. After this, we promised we wouldn't talk about it for a long, long time because, quite frankly, it fucking terrified the both of us to our cores. I mean, we both have ghost hunted and pet seances and so many experiences in both of our houses, single and together, but this was the most unsettling, the most insidious. That's my guess for you all. I hope it tickled your goosebumps and left your brain spinning for the night. I sincerely hope you enjoyed our spooky spill into shadow figures. And if you yourself have any thoughts on or experiences with shadow figures or the hat man, I'd love to hear them. Also, if you just have your own haunted experience, alien encounter, cryptid creature feature, Really, anything paranormal, strange or unusual, anything unexplained, please send it to me. You can send those spooky stories to me personally. My email is sookiesooksen at gmail.com. That's S-U-K-I-S-U-X-E-N at gmail.com. Sookiesooksen at gmail.com. I will read them on here, with your permission, of course. So please, send me all your spookies. And if you liked the show, please rate and review us wherever you're listening, because that is how cool grows here. If you want to follow along or get a sneak peek on any episodes or see any pictures from episodes I will post, follow us on Instagram. From this episode, I will post a couple of uh, examples of these different shadow figures um, all on our Instagram at the midnight mystique that's at the midnight mystique no spaces or dashes or anything for even more sucky sucky you can find me on Instagram at sucky suxen it's at sucky suxen and yeah keep it creepy my spooky pookies Centrally devastatingly yours, Sookie Sixon. Yeah, 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 yeah.